0: Almost there.
1: Where? Ought nine. That's right. That'll be our fourth year of podcasting come June. Jumping Jehoshaphat. Jumping
0: Jehovah's Witness. Holy cats. What are the, what are some other expressions that are... Holy Latter-day Saints. <laughs> Isn't that one? Uh, no. <laughs> Holy Mormons, Batman.
1: That's right. I have a whole list on... Uh, on a CD ROM of all, all the, the holy the holy bat phrases that Robin made, I should print them out someday, and we
0: could just read them. <laughs> Those will be awful. <laughs> There's hundreds of them, you know. Most of them had to do with with what was going on. They're they're meaningless out of context, right? They were they were in
1: context of that episode. Like if it was you know King Tut, you know, um, you know Robin might have said "Holy Nubis, Batman" or, <laughs> or something like that. Or what was the the egg guy? Eggs? Exactly. Egghead? Egghead? Yeah, played by Vincent Price. Holy albumin, Batman! Yeah, he might have you know whipped something out like that, <laughs> and then Egghead, of course, would always you know work egg into oh, this is so excruciating. <laughs> you know, he would always have the egg word in there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what he did. And uh, actually, John and I were talking about the original Batman TV show recently because I started throwing out some of the lesser-known villains who were perhaps only in one episode. You know, Catwoman and the Riddler and the Joker and the Accountant. Yeah, The economy I mean, was very popular. <laughs> Noah Wiley's in some show now called The Librarian. I mean, could yeah. there be a more boring title for the a The
0: Librarian show? is like a really bad ripoff of... Uh, the National Treasure series with Nicolas Cage, which is a really bad rip off of the Hardy Boys of the Da Vinci when... Code series. Uh, yeah. it, it's... Well, back to Batman,
1: there were some <laughs> lesser known villains, and I threw a couple of them out at you who were only in one or two episodes, probably only one. The Mar- Podiatrist, Marsha, Queen of Diamonds. <laughs> I don't even remember who played her.
0: Actually, but, the podiatrist is the guy who threw the shoe at... Uh, that's right.
1: He's the villain who threw the shoe at Bush. What other uh, one or two time villains were there? The Archer, played by Art Carney. Right. The right Mad it. Hatter. Which um, was not
0: unlike the Penguin.
1: Well, I don't know about that. What does that mean? Exact.
0: It was the exact same villain. He had a hat. That's about all he was. He was just a guy who was crazy. Well, he was always trying to steal Batman's
1: cowl. He collected hats.
0: Now, what about... Um, oh, he wanted he wanted the mask with the... the cowl. The, it was called the a cowl, cowl, Was Sir. it the cowl? It? it was called the cowl. Sorry, I'm not that much of a geek. <laughs> oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, but I, I wear my geek flag on the inside. What other,
1: what other uh, one-time villains were there? There was, like, the bookworm played by Roddy McDowell, and he had, like, the nerd glasses on, but he also had a reading lamp attached to his head <laughs> so, like, he could bend it down. It was on, like, what do they call these things? Um like this thing, it was on a uh, flexible. He's, he's
0: pointing to something and that doesn't work well in just pure audio. Yeah, that, that thing. Yeah, it's
1: got a flexible. You know, like a lamp with a flexible thing that you can arm. bend. You, you, what do you call those things, though?
0: This flexible arm thing.
1: Yeah, that has a name. Is it
0: armature? <clears throat>
1: no, but anyway, technical term: Framis. Trying to think of a couple of the other one-time villains, and uh, you know, having trouble right now. It's been a long time, Mister Freeze. No, no, he was, but there were two Mister Freeze. There was. Um, Mr. Two, Freezes. Yeah, there were two Mr. Freezes. There were two actors, and I'm having trouble remembering their names at the moment, but uh, there were two. There were three Catwomen, actually. Really? Yeah. There was Julie Newmar, who was the best Catwoman, and there was um, Eartha Kitt, the African-American Catwoman. I remember catwoman. Eartha Kitt. And Lee Merriweather played her in the movie, the Batman film, which they came out with during the middle hmm. of the TV show run, but then they cut it up into three episodes. It was like a 90-minute film that they cut into three Episode so Lee Merriweather also. Uh, in fact, my friends and I used to sit around and, and throw trivia out at each other. If, if you could name actors or actresses who played both a villain on Batman and also made an appearance on the original Star Trek, that's a good one for you. <laughs> Lee Merriweather is one of them, by the way. As I huh? was saying, uh, the geekness factor. Can is, you name is, one other than Lee Merriweather, though, who played— I couldn't
0: a, even name her. Are you kidding me?
1: Name You can't name anybody who appeared on Batman and also in Star Trek, the original series?
0: This is the, we, have to, we have to throw in some crickets here um no sorry not one huh um nope nothing yeah, I got struggling.
1: nothing
0: um can you name
1: one? Well yeah yeah Lee Merriweather Mary, Lee would be what? one but uh doesn't count you've already said her the other woman would be um she was on Dallas she was the brunette her sister is the, the romance novelist um why can't I think of her name? Collins, Joan Collins, Joan Collins. Yep, she, she was, was in, on there? She was in City on the Edge of Forever, that classic episode where they went back in time to the 1920s on the Earth, and she ran the mission. And she also played. She played a villain. Uh, Lorelei Lorelai was uh, the villain name that she played. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You really are a geek. <laughs> yeah, I could name <laughs> I mean, a this few is more. Serious geekitude. <laughs> I could name a few more, but I, I would need to think about it a lot longer. The
0: geekification has been complete.
1: Well it was apparently it was quite an honor if you could get on both shows cuz even though they were both a little campy they were both super popular with kids. Huh. And 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 adults as well and if you could if you could be on both it was like quite a coup to have to have done in the late 60s and the list is probably five or six.
0: And there's probably just one person on both of those who made it to Space 1999. And I can't name them. I'm just throwing that out as a show. I don't think any of them did. No one
1: survived. To to make it onto, the, you mean the Space 1999 with the, um, Barbara Bain and um, the actor whose name is escaping me? The one who won the Academy I know Award you're for playing about. Boris Karloff in the, uh, the Ed Wood film?
0: I know who you're talking about. One of my favorite
1: actors, actually.
0: If someone can name that guy, Martin he, Landau, he, he wins a prize. Marty Landau, who was okay. in a
1: Twilight Zone. That's another thing. Go back to the Twilight Zone.
0: And know? if you were in all four shows?
1: <clears throat> nobody was in all Burgess four. Burgess Meredith. Burgess Meredith. Was not in Star Trek, but he was in five he wasn't? Twilight. Oh, zones. Oh, he must have been. He was in five Twilight Zones and several episodes of Batman as the Penguin. He must have been in all of those shows. Do you know why he used to go quack 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 on Batman? Because he was the Penguin. No, because he he wasn't a smoker, but they made him smoke the cigarette on the and he'd cough and he was coughing and then to mask the cough he would go quack 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 quack, but like quacking, you know. But he it wasn't that wasn't intended
0: to be part of the character until.
1: The smoke backed up into the his lungs.
0: And he, he, well, maybe he should have practiced smoking. That's I don't think answer. he was committed enough to that That's role. what you
2: need to do more of. <laughs> right.
0: uh, I think that's enough for the, uh, the so silliness. So I
1: guess this is sort of our last show of uh, Ought 8, as you mentioned, and
0: uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about. but You know what? I think it's uh, fitting that we, uh, after having some silliness <laughs> here, we get into some serious uh, political satire.
1: Well, in the, in the year Ought 8... We did this twice. This will be the second time, and in, in the history, entire history of the show, this will only be the second time that we've done this. Um, what's that? Done the I show entirely let's, naked? Let's just do it. We'll tell them later.
3: Well, boys, let's twist it up. that you're in. If he decides to get up and stand Woo!
1: What you think? wow you know what you know you gotta give him a 10 for being committed to the rock ronald reagan
0: chorus that song does not have a single redeeming quality it doesn't and that's exactly why we played it and
2: oh. uh,
1: there was that song three weeks ago that we played that wasn't the best yeah but that was somewhat
0: enjoyable oh come on this was enjoyable yeah and uh tear my eyes out with glass <laughs> enjoyable no, you—you well, oh. you just
1: heard the worst song ever recorded. You remember so, Robert Klein used to have that routine. Every record
0: ever recorded, yes, every record ever—they would have excluded this. So you were saying that this is the second time we've done something in the history of the show, which is to play a song because it was bad, purely because of its heinousness.
1: Yeah, and and I do. This was a local band, and I'm not going to say their name. And this was recorded about twenty. I don't know. Twenty three. When Reagan was alive, and yeah, this was recorded in the Reagan administration, and it was recorded at a local studio called. um, Having trouble remembering the studio (laughs) name, but my friend, uh, my friend Bob Y. Bob Y. used to run this studio. And why did Bob run that studio? Because he was trying to make a living, and this local band came in and decided to record rock Ronald Reagan.
0: That is just off. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're. He was. It was kind enough to give me a copy. It was just randomness. I mean, was he able to actually sit through that session? Because I'd probably be throwing up.
1: Well, he, you know, he 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 was able to complete the session because what you're hearing is some sort of final mix that was actually mastered off of a two track analog to cassette, and I've had this cassette for like twenty years and i mastered it back on to digital <laughs> it's, it's you know Why and it did hasn't you put lost through that and it, just so we could play it on here it hasn't lost any of its original flavor <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of like feces. It usually doesn't lose much of its flavor over time.
1: Well, and the, the song has a, a, lo- a bigger story. And the story is this, that when I was visiting my friend Bob at his studio, and I can't remember the studio name, but it was at the corner of Lennox and Noise Street in Utica.
0: The, the street which I lovingly refer to as No Yes.
1: Yeah. Do you remember that little bricked up front uh-huh. building? Uh, that was a recording studio. And Bob Y., who's not in the business anymore... Ran a little recording studio there, and he had an MX Angela console and a 3M 2 inch 24 track machine, and uh, you know, it was a decent
0: little studio. This is the session that put him over the
1: edge. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> I remember being in there talking with him, and he had a, the current issue of Mix Magazine open at the time, which would have been sometime in the mid to late 80s. And Mix was running a contest for the worst band you've ever recorded. Did he submit that? Well, you needed the band's permission. So how (laughs) many engineers were actually going to go up to the band and go, listen, there's this contest in Mix magazine. Worst song I ever recorded. How would you guys like if I sent it? You You guys are the
0: best at being the worst. Yeah,
1: that's not going to fly. So he didn't send it in, but he did give me a copy of it. And all these years later... um, you know, they, this was released as a 45 with an A-side and a B-side Rock Ronald Reagan being the A-side the B-side we have that was called Hellfire and Brimstone and it's not quite as bad as Rock Ronald Reagan maybe we'll
0: treat you to that in well, the future as well it's not quite as bad because how could anything be worse
1: well who cares what you think
0: well I do Ugh. you know what I'm going to have to do you gouge your eyes out with no. rusty spoon. <laughs> I'm going to have to clean my, my brain out with a pipe cleaner.
1: You know what you need? It's nothing good enema. Coffee enema
0: won't fix. <laughs> you know It sounds good about now.
1: So, yeah, we <laughs> give you— Two of my you, favorite things. We give you The Rock, Ronald Reagan, and just, you know, just oh, when we got I rid apologize of— apologize for that. Just when when we got rid of the worst president in the history of the United States, we had to remind
0: you of a previous— Ronald Reagan, the great Ronald Reagan, as uh, Sarah Palin would refer to him The as. nightmare
1: known as Ronald Reagan.
0: Well, you know, I lived through the, the Reagan era, and you lived through the Reagan era. 1980 to 1988. Yeah. Preceded by Carter. Right. And, and the thing that, that's interesting is- Succeeded by uh, George Bush. Reagan is, is hailed as one of our great presidents. Now, uh, you got to give the guy props. He can give one hell of a speech. Well, he's an actor. He he knew how to rally the troops. Well, he's an actor. Well, he's dead. Was. But I, I don't see him as like a George Washington kind of figure, a Thomas Jefferson kind of guy. He definitely doesn't deserve to have an airport no. or an aircraft carrier named after well, him. Well, the airport's good. No carrier. I like the airport. No carrier. You don't like the carrier? No. Well, I mean, for a guy who's big on the uh, defense spending, I think yeah. that maybe it was it was appropriate to give him a carrier.
1: Well, perhaps, but he's uh,
0: probably what I would see as the most overrated president of all time. I don't know. We're going to be
1: dead before that that one's decided. Yeah, I mean, he, he certainly did a lot of things, none of which were good, all of which were the predecessor to this crash we ultimately had, the way he revolutionary changed the economy through changing taxation and whatnot and deregulation.
0: Cranking up the national debt.
1: Yeah, you know. Well, that was a lyric in that song. The Soviet Union is scared to death. What are we going to do about the national debt?
0: Woo! And woo! <laughs> they threw a little woo
1: out there. They were yeah. really feeling it. you know, yeah. you got to give them the, the commitment to the song was there. And right
0: now we're feeling it, but that's, that's a topic for another... Right uh, now
1: you're feeling it, but put it away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a topic for another show, and I'm sure that we're going to be able to talk about the uh, the economic woes for maybe seven or eight more episodes. Or <laughs> years. Yeah.
1: So, so you, you're something very near and dear to your heart. Ever since Lech Kowalski was on the show, yeah. you just haven't been letting this go.
0: And, and maybe this is something that it's going to be difficult to even get through. That's Rich crunching away on his uh, chips that have been sitting around for at least a week. <laughs> so the, the thing that, that I've been thinking since we had our, our show with Leck is about the whole nature of, of media and, and distribution and... And maybe this even goes towards the, the discussion we had last week about, you know, the review that we got that said, yeah, we're just, you know, frat boys sitting around talking. I've been thinking about, you know, I think that what what has to happen with media and distribution and and generation is it has to be built from the ground up. Because whenever we have media that's, that's top down, driven by corporations and corporate needs and, and revenue and... A- anytime anything is top down, it sucks. Right. But I'm... I'm um, in particular, media because it has such an influence on our society and our society, the U.S. society in particular, we're we're really stuck in this mode where we get most of our information from the television. Many people, many people, and I, and I want to generalize, but many people. Their opinions are formed through their watching television and in the mainstream media. They listen to Howard Stern to, to get their laughs and on satellite radio. But it's all this stuff that's driven by corporate interest. It's not driven by what people really are thinking and, and so you get this narrow view. You get these few bits and pieces. The, the corporations pump this stuff down. they repeat it. it becomes like this feedback loop. and one person repeats the, the same story over and over and over again, kind of like the shoe throwing. You know, it was a big story. It was about the shoe throwing. It wasn't about what what Bush was even saying at the, the press conference. It wasn't about what the Iraqi puppet guy was saying <laughs> at the press conference. It was about the shoe throwing. And when we started talking about the throwing of the shoes and analyzing the throwing of the shoes, what the throwing of the shoes means, everyone had to jump on that same story. You know what? There are so many other stories going on in people's lives. There, are, I mean, the, the crap that we talk about in our lives – that I think it's just as worthwhile. So I I think that that uh, we need to start building uh, more media from the ground up that that doesn't even have corporate sponsorship because it sort of taints things. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's
1: it. Well, no. Well, yes. Make up your freaking mind. It's yes and no. Well, uh, yeah. No, I agree with you completely. And what was it? What was particularly exciting about this uh, election year? was that this may be the year where independent media actually made a difference in the coverage of stories. You know, the corporate media, if they ignored something, it would go ignored, you know. But now there are so many competent and um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Competent and respected – and uh, independent media outlets now that are actually being paid attention to. So whatever that word is, being paid attention to, you know. Yeah. Relevant. Getting mind share. Yeah. There there are so many relevant uh, independent media sources now. And, I mean, the Huffington Post, you know, might even be one of those. But they're so big and she's so big that they're not really independent anymore.
2: But well, still. Well, and that's,
0: that's, that's actually the the crux of, of why it's taken me so long to formulate some of these thoughts and to even start talking about it is that I'm, I'm – I'm stuck in this paradox where we have this podcast and one of the reasons for having this podcast is to do something real, you know. I mean, it sounds silly, but we wanted to do something real and, and meaningful and to have fun with it, but to not follow the same format and guidelines as the corporate radio. Weenies. Well, the corporate radio kind of uh, mode, and that would be you've got a, a an easy listening Format, or you've got your classic rock format, or you've got your alt rock format, and then you do your your intros, you play your music, and then it, it's all the same. St- it's all the same stuff over and over and over again. And if you do not follow that format, it's somewhat uncomfortable for the listener.
1: Yeah, they're somewhat
0: trained, sure. Yeah, and, and then you start getting reviews like, "Oh, it's just a bunch of people like frat boys sitting around talking, fraternizing." But the the paradox is we want to get some of our ideas across. I got it. We want to get some of our ideas across. We want to, you know, bring people into the fold, into the conversation, into the into the fray. Yeah, but part of that getting people interested and getting people into the to the fold is that you you have to have sort of a hook. And people are been, have been so trained over the years to accept the the typical corporate media Formats that if you don't follow that format to some degree, you become uncomfortable and people will dismiss you very quickly. So I'm, I'm stuck saying, you know, I but don't want. Is that want, true? I don't, I don't know.
1: All Things Considered has been doing their different thing for years, and I can listen to All Things Considered 12 hours out of the day. But if you break it down, it's very similar
0: to a lot of shows that are out there
1: not soundbite media some of their stories are 20 25 minutes
0: long exactly but but they have a format that is very comfortable to listen to it's not it doesn't
1: they have the creamy npr sound it's true it's all in the mic broadcasters (laughs) have that that radio voice but it's all of that their stories are compelling they're well written and they're compelling their stories are so strong that people when they're driving home sit in their driveways for 20 more minutes they hear the end of the
0: stories they're called driveway stories. <laughs> I understand. I've I've been taken in by them several times. That's right. But but that's even part of it. I mean, if you got to think about it, it's the the way that they present things is in a very compelling, gripping kind of way. They they don't present it with someone who's got a a, a raunchy kind of annoying voice. They get the person who's got the voice that is comfortable and, and engaging. Right. So there's there's the Robert the Siegel. Me- for example. A lot of the guys on on NPR. And, and, and the microphones do such a great job of creamifying that sound. Well, it's the Sankin, the Sankin <laughs> brand. That's, Is it?
1: Yeah, they actually use a, a Japanese condenser microphone called Sankin in a lot of the public radio stations.
0: You can't even tell you're soaking in it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Or that's something, else. and you know
1: how I know that because I have a friend who does uh, subcontracting as an engineer for NPR. Mm-hmm. He told me that.
0: So, so you you've got <clears throat> not unlike these mics, actually. So you've got the, and this is no cream. This is all from the voice here. So you, you've got people who who have a broadcast voice. You know, they're not they're not casting people. Although there are some exceptions, kind of like. Uh, What's that guy's name? Ira Glass. Um, what about this Diane Reem.
1: Did you ever hear her in the morning? She her can... voice is torture.
0: That's <laughs> because she's got like a affected speech because of uh, some sort of syndrome.
1: Yeah, but she's had surgery and it didn't get better. Right. She's torture to listen to, but her show is compelling.
0: But these are exceptions. Big exceptions. So that they they get the person who who's engaging with their voice. They have the, the same format. You know, They even though they're like on NPR, they're not as commercial. They still will, will have breaks and then they'll do their, their promos. It's 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 very much the same thing. You know, there's, there's nothing avant-garde about it. It's not like they're throwing stuff out there that's offensive and, and shaking people up. Every once in a while they throw
1: a story out there that's very much unlike what anything in the corporate media would run, though. It's just not being played on 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 corporate radio, or maybe TV the station.
0: subject matter, yeah, exactly the subject matter. the su- the subject matter hello, is sub- right. that doesn't that count, but but I'm talking about the entire package here,
1: yeah, but their package is just smooth. Yes, they have production values, but it's not the nightly news with I didn't even know who any of the big anchors are right now, Katie like Kirk Katie Kirk, I don't know, couldn't tell you rectal exams, I don't know. what <laughs> Did't she have a colonoscopy? One? Oh, she did yeah. she did. Back to the rectum. <laughs> you always got to bring us there.
0: <laughs> rectum? Nearly killed him.
1: So, I don't know. What I, I love about NPR's All Things Considered is that when they go away to commercial, people submit music that are variations on their theme, and they often can be wildly different than what we're used to, you know, the, the NPR theme. And some of the little musical interludes are amazing on there. Some of the best music I've ever heard, and some of which we've played on the program, I discovered.
0: And those well, little breaks in between segments. Maybe I would, I would categorize it as they don't challenge you. <clears throat> they don't challenge the listener. What would challenging the listener be? Challenging the listener would be um, doing something for the sake of doing it and not caring so much about the way that it's delivered, the way that it's produced, but, but forcing the listener to actually actively listen to something. And and not be well. It's just the thing that I do when I'm commuting, or it's just the thing that I do when I'm cooking, and I've got the radio on. Yeah,
1: but I don't think you're giving the listeners a lot of credit. I think I am
0: absolutely not giving the listeners I any think credit.
1: If the NPR listeners were challenged a little more, and if NPR wanted to take a little more risks in their style, they would they would not lose any listeners. Because I think that that's oh, the I kind think of they listener. would lose a ton of listeners. I don't think they would. I I think it's a different kind of listener. The NPR
0: listener. What kind of listener is that?
1: Well, A, someone who's willing to pay money to get programming. You know, a lot of people who listen to public radio pay, including me. I've donated plenty of times. Well,
0: you, you're a sucker. <laughs>
1: no, no, it's because I was a huge This Old House fan. And I, well, I, I think— I, it, I subscribe to the
0: Church of Norm. <laughs> Norm Abraham. Norm Abraham. I, think, I thought it was Abram. It is. Okay, <laughs> there you go. No, throwing I'm, it out there i am i am serious i think that that they would turn off a lot of people and they would I, lose I don't think a lot the number is a lot i
1: think you would le- they might lose some listeners but i think that the the npr listeners certainly the people that i know and that includes me and you and a lot of the people in the circle of friends that i know you know they're pretty educated people who get it you know and i i think they're they want to be challenged you know i can't i can't certainly speak for everyone
0: but i when they want to be challenged i would suspect that, that they want to be challenged as long as the challenge comes in a nice velvet package maybe i guess we probably will never know it's like the people who say oh yeah i'm listening to this story about the you know the blight in africa Muffy." you know it's i think that it's it's very far removed you know i i do not <laughs> i do not think that that the uh, Rich is drawing nasty pictures you know in his typical fret boy uh behavior I, sure, blame me. I, I think that that the people who listen to NPR, and not to turn this segment into you know all about ranking on NPR, um, but I think the people who listen to NPR, they have a lot of expectations. They've got a lot of expectations about the format, about the, the sound, about the quality. And if something came across and it was rude, crude, crass, and it wasn't as well produced as the, the typical show on NPR— I think they'd be flipping the dial, or they'd be calling up their NPR station and saying, "I didn't donate for this crap." Maybe they wouldn't give it a chance. I don't think they would give it a chance. And I don't I think, think many people would. I think a significant would. number of their audience would. All right. Well, let's let's take the NPR people out of it because they're not the 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 majority of the the, the listeners to radio, and they're not the majority of the people who watch the you know visual media like television and <laughs> and uh, cable. I'm talking about the, the general public has been essentially brainwashed into accepting certain formats and and rejecting certain formats. Look at the the films that are out there. You're not seeing millions and millions of people driving to a theater to see a film that is difficult to watch. They're driving to see films that are formulaic that are essentially remakes of the same story and overt remakes we're talking about the dukes of hazard why did that bad television show have to be turned into a bad movie hey you know why because it was something that people knew breasts well right (laughs) daisy duke shorts yeah and and you can see these pitches in in these studios all right we're gonna take dukes of hazard and we're gonna put it on a different screen with with like new people same old General Lee <laughs> on the big screen, and we're going to put it like today. <laughs> you know,
1: you're a hell of a pitch man right yeah, there. Well, you you need to be working for Tom Cruise or something. And I know
0: that last week we talked about a great remake of Get Smart, and it was fun. But when we're talking about you know making a difference in the world, Get Smart is not making a difference in the world. No, no, it's 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 a diversion. It's entertainment and there's only so much you can have of that but what i'm saying is that, that the media right now are so saturated with it and most of it is ridiculous and frivolous there's there's not a whole lot of substance there even the nightly news the the, the nightly news is only showing us the stuff that that sort of lulls us to sleep you know, we hear little snippets. Yeah, we're, we're having a, a tough time in the economy. Uh, interest rates are are dropping. The, the Fed just cut the interest rate. There's nothing... Record re- low. ...to zero. There, there is absolutely no substance to that reporting. Let's describe how this affects us. No, they can't because they've only got 30 seconds. The segment says they've got 30 you seconds. You
1: need William Shatner. <laughs> Shatner? Raw Nerve, biography channel... Tuesdays, 10 p.m. Uh, Rich was paid for that plug. He stole our shtick. He stole our format, but whatever. He's Captain Kirk. <laughs> he can
0: get away with it. I don't know. We're going to be talking about this some so more. So how does this relate to us? How this relates to us? Because, you know, you
1: got all ramped up. You got all excited. You got all fired up. I got all fired up when When because... Kowalski was on the show, and you, you, were, you were rumoring... And threatening to write a
0: long blog piece. I started writing something too. I didn't put. I didn't post it on the the blog no, yet. No, I didn't see any. Uh... I started po- writing something, but then I got stuck in this this conundrum because I'm sa- I want to make a statement to say, you know, this is what we have to do. But at the same time, I- I'm I'm struggling with how to actually do it in a way that it's going to be accepted and actually consumed. Because ultimately, you know, if I'm if I'm pissing in the corner, nobody's going to care. It's all about taking the stuff that we want to say, taking the, the the subject matter that we want to talk about in the way that we want to talk about it and getting it across to someone else. If, if we're just talking into these cheap-ass microphones, I'm waiting for the reaction, if we're talking into these microphones these aren't and we're recording ass microphones. to this, this really crappy equipment over there and then we never distribute it to anyone, it, You know, it's not worthwhile. What we want to do is get an audience. And what most... Uh, independent media producers want to do is they want to get an audience because they want their their voice to be heard. But to get that audience, you sort of have to be suckered into doing the same thing that tr- the traditional media is doing. And and I'm I'm going back around and round and around in circles. It's kind of like I a dog chasing its tail. I
1: disagreed with you in that email you sent me, which I haven't yet to get a reply to. I have yet to read. Because I don't think you have to do what they do. I think our audience, you know, we, we have six billion people that are potential listeners and a certain percentage of those are going to like what we do.
0: Well, and, and maybe, I'm, maybe I'm confused and maybe I, I, I'm, um, I'm going under a false assumption that we have to get a large audience to make a difference. Maybe but, the... <laughs> but there is potential for a large audience. Well, maybe that- There's that... Just seven billion whatever people in this world- well, but that's the thing. Maybe the goal shouldn't be to get a large audience. Maybe the goal is just to make as much of a difference to an audience as possible, regardless of size.
1: That's certainly one of the
0: one of the options, sure. But I'm 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 positing the question, and maybe someone can even reflect on this and respond. Is it if you get the audience, or if your if your intent is to get the audience? Does it necessarily have to be in, in following the same methods that traditional media follows? I mean, do we have to, to fall into the traps of using their same formats?
1: Well, I think the answer is no. You know, I, I well, you're see. Wrong. Well, I'm there's no way to know if we're wrong. Uh, that's
2: I the mean, question. this is an
1: evolving thing, this is an
0: evolving
1: um, facet of the media, this independent media like we are. I
0: don't even know what we are. I mean, I'm not, I'm not ready to start this whole all-out war. I mean, I wouldn't even go so far as to start a camera war. That's been done. Okay. This is this is an audio war. Something like that. I feel like an audio slave. <laughs> oh, I'm throwing out all this. We got cars going by. Well. It's late.
1: Gotta get on home. It's late.
0: I don't know. I'm mean, gone I,
1: too long. It's late.
0: I'm going to be... Uh, formulating some more of these thoughts and I hope that other people are formulating the same thoughts and ruminating so
1: formulaic
0: (laughs) right that's the problem maybe you're formulaic well I know that we've got our format but have we really fallen into a trap
1: well I talked about this with you and again it went unreplied to but um yeah for me I, I, I can speak for me and I think there's a certain minimum production quality that a show has to have to get my listenership
0: um we're there, so we're good. <laughs> well, and I don't disagree that, that there has to be a certain level of quality, but it's, it's not necessarily just the, the quality. I mean, quality in, in and of itself, um, like the creamy NPR sound, is is a good thing but but quality mixed with the format the pacing the the way that the stories are edited and that kind of stuff do we have to follow those same formats like we have our format do we have to follow the same format on every show well, in we've, we've broken that up and now that we're in new
1: not in any radical way now that we're in new confines we can break that up as much as we want cuz we can have rowdy crazy ridiculous guests here which probably wouldn't have gone over so well in your <laughs> not household enough. probably not but I'm, but I'm saying we've got our... I our, mean, who's rowdier than Lech Freakin Kowalski? Kowalski? Well, the guy sold drugs to finance a film and filmed a porno.
0: Well, he's crazy rowdy, yo. He's mad whack, yo. <laughs> that's right. I don't even know what these words mean. He's in France. Know. That's all I know. So the questions are... He's out trying the, to I give me a dream date with Julie Delpy it's not going to happen. I don't, right, I, don't playing, I don't have you know, any answers. I don't think you even have any answers. We have ideas, but I I'm I'm really and again, I, this is why I even hesitated to start talking about this on this uh this segment is that I'm I'm really really conflicted about this. I mean, on, on some level, I think that that we're doing the right thing by having a format, but on another level, I I think that maybe we should challenge people. We should we should make few people feel uncomfortable and get them shaken up. Well, oh, yeah. We can shake it up. So screw you. Shake it up. woo <laughs> Rich is giving me the signal, as most people do when they're in, uh, trained by my, the corporate media. That was media. my Rick like, like,
1: wrap it up. That was my Rick Ocasek signal. Oh, and by the way, I have Oren Domenico. He will be on the show. I got his... Uh, well, good. I'd like to talk to him about eat. this stuff, too. <coughs> Excuse me. I didn't mean to cough over you. That's okay. So, yeah, I talked to him, and he didn't want to do it before. Um, or during the holiday season
2: That's
0: fine
1: He wanted to wait Till after the new year Because he's got an injury That he's healing from And he fell off a bike In the summer oh, And broke bad. his pelvis And it's still not healed
0: Well it takes a long time
1: It does And he's you know He's an older guy And you know, he's not getting any younger So he yeah, yeah he's really excited about it And sometime in January We'll have him on the show well, I think be good. We got a tune We do What is it what This we is got? a real tune Oh fa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was one of our uh, favorites. We keep going back to them. They're rich. We do, and uh, that was the four bags. I think the name of it is the two mazurkas, mazurkas, something like that. I, I, I
1: roughly translated, that that stands for two toolboxes, I believe. <laughs> actually, <laughs> two crates full of oranges. That's right. <laughs> Saw a film last week at uh, Munson. Back to our format, the Munstitute? Yes, where I'm taking pottery class. I will be taking Bam! pottery class again. I'm, Bam.
0: I'm just trying to throw stuff in. Eat. I'm breaking that format. A little emerald. Now I'm stuck in the Emerald format. My Damn formerly nicotine stained fingers. I'm I'm speaking from the golden vib microphone. <laughs> That's right. Or I'm going to go sit on the golden vib throne and pass a golden log. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Back to the sophomore frat boy stuff. <laughs> there you go. Have you heard of a, rector, a director named
1: Wayne Wang? He's done a, a quite a bit of work, and I'm having trouble remembering. It sounds his like his a other... character
0: from a John Sayles film. I think it is.
1: Yeah, he uh, directed his most recent work is called "A Thousand Years of Good Prayers," and apparently, it's an ancient Chinese proverb, a lot like laundry. <laughs>
0: Valgon, take me away.
1: In order for a father and daughter to get along, you need a thousand years of good prayers or something like that. And this is a story about uh, a woman who has migrated to the U.S., and I don't know whether she's a citizen or not, but she's, she has a life here. And her father comes to visit her, and he's part of the old guard of China, still believes in the old ways, You know, speaks a little English. But he comes to see his daughter, it, and it just ends up dredging up all of those things that get dredged up between people, things that they've been avoiding talking about for years, but they're suddenly thrust into eating dinner, facing one another across, you know, from you one ate another. You the last the piece table. of pizza
0: like, when she's still brewing over that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's just a wonderful film. It's almost like a Linklater film, you know, lots of dialogue between the characters and a lot of discovery between the characters and you know sort of redefining their relationship you know anew because they've suddenly been thrust into this this new uncomfortable situation where they're forced to redefine their relationship and uh, there's some really wonderful moments in this film and uh some of the most significant moments were actually between the father and I'm I'm I don't remember the actor's name and I'm having trouble finding it on my review sheet here because it's not here <laughs> Uncredited. No, he is credited, but there are are moments in the film where when his daughter goes to work, he has time to kill. So he goes to the park and he sits on a bench and he ends up having these amazingly meaningful conversations with an Iranian woman who speaks barely any English as well. But they end up finding ways to communicate with each other and they end up communicating their familial woes, you know, the problems they're each having with their children. And yet even though they speak very little of each other's language and very little English, they're able to communicate these the sadness that they feel in having this sort of
0: broken. And so he does a mime. Dysfunction. There's a lot of mime. Yep. So the common language, the common thread is that uh, he does a stranded mime. in a
1: cube, walking against the wind,
0: pulling the rope. You know, Every kind of everyone thing. has that same kind of striped shirt and beret moment in their their life.
1: Yeah. So anyway, I, I thought this film was really sweet. Um, not the strongest film I've seen at Munson this year, and I, I'm not even sure what that is. I'd have to think about that. But Probably uh it's, it's a very sweet film, directed by Wayne Wang, 2007. Not rated. 83 minutes, and uh, it's in both Japanese and English. So, you know, if you don't like subtitles, don't watch it. But anyway, whoa, another car going by. This one was called A Thousand Years of Good Prayers, so you might want to check it out. I could use a couple of those. I, what, A Thousand Years a of Good of Prayers? A couple thousand years. I could use A Thousand <laughs> Years of Sleep. Now, actually, I've been getting lots of sleep, so that's... Not an issue. I you guess know, that you know means it's we're time done.
0: For. It's time to be stuck in our typical crappy format. Or we're being excused from our crappy format right now. No, now it's the time when, when you say what your name this is. This is Rich Wilgus. I say this is John Tallarico. And, and then we, and just we talk about a website. We say Happy New Year. And
1: yeah, and then... Check us out on the web and. <laughs> www.bloodyveg.com
0: yeah and then we say something witty we have a <laughs> we, little, no we never do that li- do a little banter you that's talk that's just crazy talk I talk um, the golden microphone every every once in a while you know we we keep it rolling till the very end and then you say something about a VIB which never happened but it's supposed to be vegetarians in broadcasting
1: yeah anyway I'm gonna burn this we're format. gonna see you in Aut nine
0: with a new format later maybe Wow.